Well, exactly one minute has passed. Isn't that amazing? That 60 seconds have gone by? I have this tiny clock on my wrist. And on my tiny clock, it has a really skinny, pointy stick that goes around, clicking its way along. And in one minute, it'll move 60 places. And when that does it, there's a longer but thicker stick that then moves one place. And then when that moves around 60 times, I've got that shorter one, thicker one, that goes one hour to mark the passage of time. But isn't it amazing how uncomfortable 60 seconds of silence in a crowd this size generally feels? We're so used to having the airwaves filled with sound on a constant basis that silence really scares us. If you were in the radio business or TV business, you would avoid dead air like the plague. We continually mark time. A little over a week ago was my youngest daughter, Olivia's 17th birthday. We mark birthdays. We mark anniversaries. We, we memorize important dates in history. Facebook reminds me more and more of things that happened two, five, six years ago. Where I was, some picture of a younger version of me doing something fun with friends or family. We believe that we are on this linear path that we call time. And time has become one of the most important commodities in our world. We constantly say to people, I just don't have enough time. In case you wondered, there are only 28 days left till Christmas. If I had started this sermon at 11 o'clock, that means we would have had 661 hours till midnight on Christmas Eve. By the way, that's about 39,660 minutes left to do all the things we need to do before Christmas arrives. 39,666 minutes to purchase the gifts, get the food ready, travel to see family, wrap the presents, parties attend, and I only have 39,660 minutes to get it done. So you may be at, maybe you would ask, well, so why should I waste one of them looking at you, look at your watch? As we begin our Advent celebration this year, I want us to recognize not only the significance of the many moments in our lives, but I want us to focus on the significance of one moment. The strategic nature of that moment. The timing of that moment. Everything that exists has a certain timing to it. We generally don't plant, as far as I know, vegetables in November. Not that I've ever planted vegetables any month, but I understand there's a timing to how you plant them. Don't generally go swimming in an outdoor lake in February. I think last Wednesday would have been a terrible time to start a diet. I don't know, maybe some of you tried last Wednesday. There's a timing to things. 
I mean, think about sports. Many of you watched the games yesterday. Many of the games were determined by a split second. Pass here, thrown a little early, a little late. A basketball player arriving at the moment where a pass is coming his way, just a moment too late and the ball sails by. Baseball player will make a tag too late. Think about timing in our daily lives and how it makes a difference. Olivia and I were recently traveling to Albania. Uh, we were delayed in our flight, caused us to miss another flight, caused us to miss another flight. The dominoes just fell because the timing was off. On Friday, I drove from Houston back to here after having been with family. And every time I drive, I think about the split seconds that make a difference between life and death, the moments of our lives. Does one minute make a difference? Our theme for Advent this year is the miracle of Christmas. You know, it's so easy to get all wrapped up in stuff that we miss the miracle. We, we hear the story so many times that we lose the miracle. We've been raised in a culture that washes over the unbelievable miracle of Christmas. This morning, I want to begin this series by looking at the miracle of a moment. Not a moment, but the moment. Because it says in Galatians 4.4, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. You see, at just the right time, God sent his son. It's the miracle of the moment. So let's look at that together. The first point is this. He came at the right moment. He came at the right moment. As I said, moments, especially when you're driving, can change everything. Um, <clears throat> there's a movie that came out a number of years ago about two guys who were thrown together trying to get home for Christmas. Um, they're two opposite kind of guys. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to do, get home in any way possible. And at one point, uh, they're thrown in a car together. One of the guys gets really hot in the car and tries to take his coat off. And in the process, um, spins the car around and gets pointed in the wrong direction. And at the wrong moment, in the wrong direction, heads the wrong way. the race. Barrett! Oh, race? That's ridiculous. Oh, 
All right, come on, let's go, let's go. Put your window down! You want something? Uh, probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you, thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. moments of our lives. Sometimes the wrong moment can lead to a disastrous result. Jesus, however, didn't come just in any moment. The Bible makes it clear that he came at exactly the right moment. God sent Jesus when the time was right. But the reality is that most people missed the miracle of that moment. Most people did not recognize the significance of Jesus' birth when it happened. I mean, think about it. God becomes a man born in a manger outside of Mary and Joseph, handful of shepherds, later time period, some wise men, Simeon and Anna in the temple court. Really, that was about it. Um, Zachariah, Elizabeth, they may have recognized because of all that was taking place. But if you count up all the people that recognized the truth and the miracle of that right moment, it was very small. The coming of Christ into the world wasn't a matter of chance or coincidence. It's not like God rolled the dice and said, yeah, it seems like a good time. His coming was part of God's divine plan. Warren Wiersbe in his book, Be Free, says this, Historians tell us that the Roman world was in great expectation, waiting for a deliverer at the time Jesus was born. The old religions were dying. The old philosophies were empty and powerless to change men's lives. Strange new mystery religions were invading the empire. Religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger were everywhere. God was preparing the world for the arrival of his son. See, some people would say circumstances lined up pretty well, and so God sent his son. I would say God lined up the circumstances and sent his son so that everything moved at the right time. 
I mean, there was no more unique period in history than the Roman Empire at this moment. The Romans had constructed roads that connected cities to cities, making travel more uh, economical, making it easier. All roads ultimately led to Rome. The world was at peace, the Pax Romana, the, the known world was at peace. Roman laws protected the citizens and Roman soldiers guarded the peace. Thanks to both the Greek and Roman empires rising up, all of the known world also could communicate with one another for really the first time in history between Greek and Latin. The Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah were complete. Everything lined up according to God's plan for Jesus to come at the right moment in time. That's why it says in Galatians, but when the time was right, when the right time came, God sent his son. Second point is this. <clears throat> he provides at the right moment. He provides at the right moment. Most people seem fairly content to go through Christmas just with the motions. They'll endure the activity without ever experiencing the miracle. A large portion of the world's population, whether they believe in Jesus or not, a large portion all over the world are going to exchange gifts, be with family, celebrate a holiday, without understanding the provision of the day, the miracle of the day. Many of you, like me, may have been with family this past week, some who know Jesus and many who don't. Everybody gathered around the table. I'm obviously the designated professional prayer so uh, I'm going to uh, lead the family prayer. And it's, it, is, it is a challenge to me. I, I want to go on and on. I know it's not the right moment. But I want to say, what in the heck do we have to be thankful for if we don't believe in one who provides? You know, if I'm just giving thanks, don't you have to give thanks to someone? I mean, what is thanks if it's not given in a direction with an end in mind? So when we say thanks, who are we saying thanks to? We're saying thanks to a provider, a God who has given family, food, but more importantly, provision for life. It's the same thing with Christmas. We are we're celebrating the provision of God, not for presents or for food or even for family. We are celebrating the fact that God has provided relationship with himself, forgiveness of our sins, and a return to the destiny for which we were created. God provides. The Psalms are full of scriptures that teach of the provision of the Lord. The eyes of all look to you, Lord. 
and you give them their food at the proper time. Psalm 104, verse 27 says, They all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. <laughs> we live in America. Every, every time is the proper time for food, right? We're so spoiled, we don't understand the miracle of the provision of the time. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 11.14 says, I will provide rain for your land in the proper time. Lord Jesus, we could leave, use some of that right now. The autumn and spring rains, and you will harvest your grain, new wine, and oil. What the Old Testament writers are saying is that God knows what you need and when you need it. At just the right time, he'll come to you and provide for what you need at the moment. Kathy is downstairs right now getting the children ready for a uh, Christmas presentation that they're going to do in like two or three weeks. And uh, she pulled out this old Hillsongs song um, called All the Power You Need. For them, those of you who are old-time fullness people or remember Hillsongs from 100 years ago, you know, it's got that um, bum, bum. He's real. He's real. John, start clapping on two and four. Um, it's a joke from last week. If you weren't here, sorry for the inside joke. Faith a lot stronger than what you feel. It's got that line in it, though, this. Uh, you may remember. He's never early, never late. It takes courage just to wait. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. I got a little bit of a cold, so I can't really rock it today. I could do it in a Barry White kind of voice, but I'm not sure that song really fits. He's never early, never late. What does that mean? He comes through in time. Some of us want the timing early. We want it because we're Americans. We want everything now. We want everything, whether we can afford to pay for it, buy it, no matter what, we want it now. I read an article just this morning. You may, you, you know what it means when you're, uh, you're underwater with a car? TV, you want to explain this to us? <laughs> it means you bought a car and you financed it for umpteen years because you really couldn't afford this car. You couldn't afford the payments on it. See, when I first bought a car, I've told you the story before, my mom did not want me to buy a car. She did not want me to borrow money for the car. I wanted a car because I, I just graduated from college. I, I, I needed a car. If I was ever going to get a pretty girl to go out with me, I needed a car because th this wasn't going to cut it. You know, I needed more to help me along. So I bought a car, 1980 Old Cutlass Supreme Burgundy tan interior. Great car. Financed it for three years. My mom didn't think it was God's provision for my life. She thought I short-circuited myself. I was going to pay the price for it. So she, uh, she called my car Ishmael the entire time. She said, you know, if you'd wait, God would provide... Isaac, but instead you've gone out and you've bought yourself Ishmael. You know, she was right. There are times I didn't have enough money for food because I was making a car payment, but dadgummit, I never told her. 
I'd rather go hungry. I had some pride issues to deal with as well, but I financed the car for three years, paid it off. People are financing cars for four, five, six, seven years. So they, they get to a point where the value of the car is down here, and they owe up here. In other words, they owe more money on the car than the car's worth. As of today, highest in history, people are underwater on their cars. 32% of people trying to trade in a car owe more on that car than the car is worth. 32%, a third of people, means they're going to have to pay more than retail value on the car they're trying to buy to pay off the old car they're no longer going to drive. We are so screwed up. And why are we this mess up? Because we don't believe in the provision of the moment. We're willing to sell our futures for the desire. Because God knows I'm not going to get a pretty girl if I'm driving this 68 Buick Special, which is what I was driving. By the way, I did get a pretty girl. point is this. Jesus came not only at the right time, but God's provision for you is at the right time. It says in Romans, excuse me, you see, at just the right time, when we were still what? See, that's one of the key aspects of realizing the provision of the Lord is to realize your powerlessness. We're not powerless because I have credit. Right? So I'm not powerless. We don't realize that when it comes to our relationship with God on our own, by ourselves, we are bankrupt. We are powerless. As a matter of fact, in this passage in Romans, it says we were in fact enemies of God. I mean, it's not like we were just powerless and in a neutral position. We're both powerless and at war with God because he hates sin that much. Paul is trying to paint in Romans the clear picture that you are nothing by yourself. And as long as we keep thinking we're something, that God is really kind of lucky to have me, we won't really lean into the provision that God gives us at the right moment. When do you, when do you need a miracle? You need a miracle when you realize, I got nothing else to lean on. You see, as long as I've got natural abilities... I'll keep using them. I don't need a miracle. I can do this myself. Listen, there are times I believe that God is going to, even as followers of Christ, God is going to allow us to get to the end of our natural rope so that at one point we, we take our hands off and we grasp hold of him. Understanding that 
God provides at just the right moment. Last week, I looked at the story of the, the, um, the ten lepers. You remember? The ten lepers, Christ comes upon them. He just says to them, hey, go, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, he never said, you're healed. Be healed. They cried out for healing. He says, go show yourself to the priests. When does the Bible, do you remember the story from last week? When does it say they were healed? As they went, they got healed. The miracle was provided when they said, let's go. Wouldn't it have been embarrassing to show up at the priest's house? Jesus said, come show ourselves to you. And you're still leopard, whatever it is. You've still got leprosy. I mean, not only embarrassing, but troubling. They showed up healed. God's provision. He provides. And I believe he's saying for many of us, now is the right moment. This is the right time. <clears throat> Look, I, I understand there are some things maybe God is delaying in our lives, putting off, but many of the times we delay when God is wanting to move. Because again, we say things like, you know, I, I want to come to Jesus, but, you know, I need to get some things straight in my life first. I need to get in the right place. I, I, I know Jesus, and he's Lord of my life, and I really want to live for him, but I'm going to wait until I get through college. I'm going to wait till I get married. I'm going to wait till I have children, and then I'll really fully invest myself because I'll need to for my kids. They'll need to have that background, that understanding. I'll, I'll get engaged in church later. I'll, I'll go to a small group later. I, I want to get some things done. I, I'll go to small group after football season's over because, you know, i got to watch my favorite team, and this could interfere. I know, I'm getting a little personal for some of you. Maybe for me even. Listen, God's saying this is the time. Now is the moment. Don't delay. Make the most of every opportunity that God has given you in order to live your life for him. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation. Listen, <clears throat> we get lost in this uh, a little bit, but there was a lot that God did prior to Jesus coming. But after Christ came, it really was the first moment in history where someone could step forward and say, now is the day. Now is the time. This is, he's using a phrase, this, the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. He's using that picture of what is known as the year of Jubilee in Jewish history, where they would, all their debts would be canceled, all the stuff that they needed would be provided. It was a day of celebration. It is the day of salvation. 
the time is now. John the Baptist, when Jesus was first stepping out, he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Some versions say here. Repent and believe the good news. Now is the right time to make that commitment to Christ. Now is the right time to commit to a fellowship of believers, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Now is the time to recommit to your family and your marriage. Now is the time to recommit to you walk in close fellowship with Christ and all that that entails. You see, one moment in time can determine your entire destiny. Now is that time. See, the miracle of the moment that we want to celebrate here at Advent is that we can receive God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. You can, you can receive that today if you never have. Maybe you've heard the stories of Christmas. Maybe you've heard the stories about Jesus. Maybe you know Bible stuff, but you've never said, I, I want to give my life. I want to ask for forgiveness of my sins, and I want to I follow him. Now is, now is the day you can do that. Don't delay. But also, maybe you have determined at some point that you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, except you're not really following him. You know, anybody can say they're a Christ follower. But to be a Christ follower, you've got to be following him. Now is the day you can, I, I, I am going to follow Jesus. I want to I wanna experience his freedom, his direction, his healing, deeper relationships with him and people. I want to experience the empowering presence of the Spirit of God. The miracle of Christmas is this, God is here. And you can experience all that he has for you. Choose the miracle of the moment, or you can just walk on by. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to follow Christ in your life, I'm gonna pray. And if you'd like to pray with me, that'd be awesome. We'd love you. You're free to just, as I pray this prayer, just pray it, pray it with me. For those who are followers of Jesus Christ, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer to recommit your life to him. And then after that, we're going to have our ministry team spread out across the front. If you need a miracle of a moment for healing or freedom or direction, these teams are going to be here to pray for you. If you'd like somebody to pray for you before we leave this morning, then don't pass it by. Experience the miracle of now. But first, pray with me. If, you're, if you want to truly commit your life to Jesus Christ, you're not even sure. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like this in the past, but you don't know where you stand right now. Just as I pray, just agree with me in your spirit. Dear God, I, I don't, I don't want to live one moment without you. So, today on behalf of those who are coming, I, 
I ask for forgiveness for sins, for not recognizing your great love. Lord, I pray that we will believe that Jesus is the Son who left heaven and came to earth to die on a cross for my sins. Lord, I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive today. You came at just the right time for me, for us. And today, Lord, I and those who are praying this with me, we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. Forgive our sins. Cleanse us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Today, Lord, and if this is you, just say this with me. I choose in this moment to receive the greatest gift ever given, this gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Just in your heart, maybe with your lips, pray your own prayer for a second, saying thank you, Lord. For coming into my life to dwell. If you've already committed your life to Christ, but you know there's some things that you need to get right, then as I pray this prayer, just agree with me. Dear God, this is the moment I, I want to restore my relationship with you. Forgive me for trying to live the life of a Christ follower without actually following you. I give my life to you afresh and anew and completely today. I recommit myself to you. I pray that you would fill me afresh with the empowering presence of your Holy Spirit. As we sang earlier, even so, come Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would come into our hearts and our lives, that we can live our lives for your glory. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you. I believe now is the day. I believe now is the time. Ministry teams, come to the front, if you would. Mitch, would you come? I'm sure you're in there. 